Hey friends, it's that time again. My name is Kenny Jang and this is the Church Online Podcast. Now today, we're going to talk about domain names, domain names, domain names, and why and how, more importantly, to upgrade your domain name. We're going to talk about, you know, why upgrading your domain name is a smart move, what's involved with actually switching domain names, because uh, many people haven't done it before, and then go through basically a checklist of successful domain name upgrade steps, etc. Um, I've got a conversation partner here that's uh, familiar to our audience, DJ Chuang. Welcome to the show today. Hey, thank you, Kenny. It's great to be back to now, talk for those about who... domain names. Yeah. And we're going to yes. get techie on this one. Right? Very I hope so. I hope so. Sometimes we actually get to nerd out on things. Um, and I think it's one of the things that is the fundamental things that sometimes get assumed that people know how to do, but in their jobs, and sometimes they actually never have gotten to this kind of stuff. Now, um, before we get there, DJ, I just want to do a shout out to our sponsors, um, .church. .church is a top-level domain name used by tens of thousands of churches across the world, actually. And churches use a .church domain name to be able to connect and engage with their visitors uh, online in a very intuitive way. And the domain name, that top-level domain name, is part of the Identity Digital Portfolio. And .church domain names in particular come with added security and phishing protection. And if you're interested in looking up your own to see if it's available, you can go to .church uh, registrars anywhere or go to name.church. Name.church is a great place to start your search for a new domain name. Now, DJ, today, um, it's a little bit like, like to put on our nerd caps on a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. In our continuing conversations about digital ministry and domain names, let's take a deep dive on switching from an existing domain name to a new one, which can be apprehensive to a lot of people. It seems like such a hassle, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, I just went through a domain name swatch, a swap. A registrar swap is sometimes complicated, but a domain name swap is um, can be a hassle sometimes. Can you take us basically step-by-step, -step, high level through that process of how to make the switch so people kind of get a sense of all the things that are involved? Well, we'll go high level and then we'll go deep dive because yes. this is the Church Tech Today podcast. And so <laughs> yes, we want to provide some technical information because it is really hard to find the technical information. Yes, it is. And I've been working in this space for about seven years now with the Dot Bible Registry and now with Dot Church and just realizing mm -hmm. it's miraculous that the internet works as well as it does because different words are used for describing the same thing and the same word is used to describe different things in the plumbing of the internet Absolutely. and domain names are a vital part of a, the internet that still makes it work from all our devices now with iPhones and tablets and desktops and laptops and so from high high level view uh, you want to prepare for the switchover from the old domain to the new domain and that involves a thorough, as thorough as, thorough as you can, an audit and a survey and an itemizing of all the things that your domain name touches. And so that's um, what your current domain connects to in terms of websites, in terms of emails, in terms of maybe shortcut URLs, in terms of social media, uh, all of those things you wanna capture the account logins, who are the admins, and where the current domain name is being used, uh, perhaps even connected to some cloud drives 
whether that's Google Workspace or Microsoft um, um, Family of Suites, Exchange, all that. You want to prepare for the switchover. Then um, take take a good look at your new domain name. Is, is it on the same registrar or different registrar? What's all in the DNS records? Uh, make a good copy of that and uh, prepare for that switchover by testing the switchover. So one of the things that good tech teams do is they actually have a staging site or a staging server in addition to what's called the production server, the one that's live on the internet. Now, I know that's going to speak to less than 5% of your audience perhaps, maybe a little more, but, you know, 90% of churches or so are 100 or under in size, so they probably don't have a technical person on staff, but we are talking about some very technical things that someone needs to have that understanding in order to make yeah. the switch. So this is not something for a beginner or a novice person, but it is possible to learn and it's better hand, since it's only done once in a blue moon or less often actually, you wanna do it right because there's a lot at stake. Right, but it's worth the switch because this is an opportunity to clean up your technical spaghetti and actually make it a nice streamlined process for the future of digital engagement as more and more churches are engaging people on site, in person, as well as online because we're in a digital lifestyle hybrid reality. And this is a strong indicator when you go from a domain name that may not be serving you as well to one that's crisp and clean, perhaps even ending in .church to strengthen your branding. Third, you want to, so after you've tested the switch over, um, you're, you're ready to go from the old um, domain to the new domain, then map out your strategy in terms of marketing and notifying all the stakeholders first. So you, you want to make sure the stakeholders have approved this change, then you want to start mapping out the timeline of how you communicate this change to your staff, how it's going to impact their email, updating the website, your internal communication workflow, your external marketing and communication workflow, and how you're going to notify the congregation, what kind of rollout timeline. You'll want to map that out too. So don't just switch it overnight. Take at least a week to do the switch over. I would suggest making the switch on a Monday, because that is probably the least amount of engagement in terms of how churches are engaging people. Sunday, don't do it on a Sunday. <laughs> so do it on a Monday. Um, you've already mapped out the testing, you've mapped out the notifying, but if you do it on a Monday, you'll have a full day to um, make sure everything's still working. And then if you have some leftover by Tuesday, you can still type a few loose ends. That way you go into the week with everything working well and tested uh, in a live environment. So that, that's number four, make the switch on, on a Monday morning and to have ample time to make sure a few things that you may not have catch, caught during the testing phase and during the communication phase that um, the switch is made. Uh, be sure to notify search engines. You can actually keep all your social uh, search engine optimization equity that you've built up from the Google and DuckDuckGo and Bing, you can switch that over by setting up a 301 redirect on your old server, uh, old domain name, 
and then also notify the uh, search engines that you've switched a new domain and search engines want to know about that and they value that. That's why they've added that feature. So follow the instruction for each search engine to do that. Confirm everything is working and then publicize it, publicize it, publicize it. And it's a story worth telling because this rebranding is an opportunity to refresh your branding, refresh your vision, reiterate how this is not only a step technically, but a step in, into the future or the step next step into your church's development um, as a ministry into a new season and um, adding some new things that you might also do uh, with this occasion. So some churches I've talked with will use this occasion not just to switch the domain name, not just to switch the vision, but even to switch the branding and even to switch the technical infrastructure. So while you're at it, you might go from a home-built box um, to something that's more cloud-based, for example. So instead of running the servers in a closet at the church office, you can actually switch to the cloud, perhaps uh, Amazon or Microsoft Azure or Google. So those are popular cloud-based solutions. Um, yeah, so that, that's a quick overview and then we can get into a little bit of the technical. Um, I don't wanna take up all the time because um, um, the technical can go very lengthy, but I did want to touch on a few key pieces I think, along the way. I think that's a great overview. I feel like this is one of those episodes that if you have someone technical on staff that you would forward this to them and just to mm. get on the right page, because there's a lot of pieces that you could just start to write down of what DJ said into a checklist. Now, DJ, here's my question though. I like you alluded to, there are many churches that are small and that don't have staff, or they might have staff that take care of the web, but they, they actually don't know um, the ins and outs. Or it's it's amazing um, in today's evolving no code um, environments. Mm -hmm. that yes. There's so many people that I encounter that are working with WordPress sites, but they don't even know what HTML is, right? And so, mm -hmm. um, what happens if a church doesn't have someone that's technical? What can they do if they need their you know they're trying to make the leap from one domain to another? Mm -hmm. right? We we don't want that to be the limitation, right? If if leadership if a pastor or some comms director wants to change the URL for your website, we should figure out how to get that to happen. It shouldn't be a limitation they get roadblocked. What happens if you don't have someone yes. technical on staff? Well, let me take a step back from that question. Even before you are able to make the switch over and you might have the desire to, make sure you have control over your technical matters in the first place. So uh, while I have your attention, viewers and listeners, uh, make sure you as the church have administrative control and ownership of your digital assets. That's all your social media accounts. Mm. You need to have that connected to a church owned email address and password that's that's secured and locked up in your office, not in the volunteers mm. inbox. Okay. Do that with your social media accounts. Do that with your domain name. Your domain name is probably the most, well, it's one of the most valuable pieces of your digital asset. And there's plenty of horror stories of churches that left that to a website company 
or left that to a volunteer developer and then they leave or they have a fallout with the church. And I mean, I remember living in Maryland where a church website was managed by a volunteer for a time. And then that volunteer had a conflict with the church leadership, the church split. And then the person that owned the previous website was able to take it and turn it into a ugly, um, you know, rant against the leadership. And so you, you don't, you don't want that as best as you can make sure the right leaders maintain admin access and control of the domain name. And then along with that, I've mentioned social media along with that, your email accounts and the admin over that your website hosting, all things are, all of these things are very technical granted, but the actual admin and owner has got to be your church leadership, not your volunteer, not the vendor or uh, church website building company. Okay. So that's, that's, that's the first imperative. Make sure you own your digital assets and have control. I literally just got. That's con- not a technical issue. That's no, an ownership. That's issue. a leadership issue. Now I literally just got contacted by a church I went to, literally 15 years ago, asking mm. me if I had a password to something, and they couldn't get wow. into some accounts. And there was also all these photos that they saved somewhere on the web that they remember. Oh. They don't even know where that is <laughs> either. And because I was a volunteer <laughs> on the media team at that point, I was the only one that they could track down. Everyone else has dispersed. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. um, it's it's real. What you're talking about is a real thing. And um, yes. I can't, I, uh, I feel like this is a whole other show. Password yeah. sharing, passwords, um, what do you call it? Administration and housekeeping is just a total other best practice that we should be talking about at some point. But anyway, anyway, I digress. Um, yeah. So yeah. let's get back to what, what do you do yeah. when someone doesn't have, yeah. if you don't have a technical person on staff, what are you supposed to do? Mm. If you don't have a technical person on staff, the next best, two next best things would be a trusted volunteer. So have the trusted volunteer compile the audit of all your access accounts and, and deliver that in print to your church secretary and your leadership and maybe keep it under lock and safe and then uh, create a second account for admins to actually, or moderators and and your social media volunteer to post to your website and so on, but ownership gets retained by the church. And then uh, if you don't have a volunteer that's technically competent, then if you need to hire somebody, make sure the company you're hiring provides all the credentials for the logins and things so that, again, the ownership is secure for your church. And then because we're in this day of cyber warfare and phishing and hacking, um, two-factor authentication yeah. is probably um, a wise. very uh, valuable thing to do, a wise thing to do. Although I realize that adds a layer of complexity when you're updating websites and when you're um, needing to do the content marketing that's done on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis. But in terms of the ownership piece, that that should only change once in a blue moon or less often. So those pieces should be secured and locked away. 
uh, in, in the rightful hands of the church owner. And then for the ongoing updates, you can adapt your security procedures um, in, in a quote unquote more lax manner, but make sure you keep the ownership and have someone technical that can help you to give you that reassurance. And then with the other pieces, um, you should be able to find volunteer or, um, yeah, I want to recommend a online guru, but there's, there's some church friendly, trustworthy people in the church tech today, uh, audience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, now, among your contributors. Yes, that can be trusted. absolutely. Um, our community is amazing. Now, one of the things uh, I want to talk about is not just the technical side, but the <laughs> communications and marketing part. We've talked about this on several projects <laughs> of actually upgrading that part to follow through on the technical. Technical, you, you gave us a great overview, walkthrough of, of the steps, but then you have to follow through with communication and marketing. I, I would say, without getting super detailed, what would be the first, one, first step or the second step? What's the first one, two, three things that someone should literally be thinking about when they're talking about upgrading from a marketing communication standpoint? Well, different churches have different ways of marketing communication. So when I was preparing for this episode, I did some research about how other churches have done it. So one, one church, a small, normal-sized church, is just put it in their church bulletin. And I said, hey, we have a new church website. <laughs> Go to this and this and, and see, see what's going on. And then at the old domain name, they just put a landing page with a bold letter saying, here's our new URL, new URL click through to go there. <laughs> so at the very minimum, that's one way to do it. There are many churches that still use church bulletins and you can just turn on a switch and make sure the old domain still works and points to the new domain. That's a fairly easy way, kind of a minimalistic way to make the switch. But to be more user-friendly, again, we're talking about serving people well so that they don't get frustrated and they see this as an improvement because we want it to be an improvement, then you might want it to do a rollout. And a good way to do it would be to maybe make the new website a beta. Give not only your church and your stakeholders and staff, but even the more early adopters and people to kick the tires around to make sure to cover all the possible loose ends that you may not have thought of and give it a beta period of a couple weeks or a month and say, hey, would you like to have a sneak peek at our new website? And run that as a mirror from your current website to the new website. And this is especially useful if you have a new design, you know, use it as an opportunity to roll out a new design, roll out a new content management system, roll out a whole new technology. That, that's a prime opportunity to go ahead and make the full upgrade with the new domain and have everybody kick the tires. And then, so give yourself two weeks to a month to roll that out if you want to do the beta route. And then at the end of the beta route, then make the final switch, make sure all the old domain assets still work. So the old domain goes to the new domain in terms of the web the old email addresses automatically forward to the new email address. So everything still works, but what's actually live and showing is the new domain. So that's 
That's a second way to do it. And a third way is just give people advance notice uh, about a week. So usually, you know, because we, churches meet weekly basis, right? So a week's notice is um, ample to make a switch. So, hey, next week we're rolling out a new website. Um, go ahead and take a sneak peek on Monday. And then on Monday you make the switch and just make the notice in your email newsletter on your old website to the new website, welcome people, and then your social media. Just the, you know, the basic ways that you communicate and then make it a church announcement too. So um, there's three ways. There you go. Three ways to make the switch over depending on the capacity and how you'd like to do it that fits your church culture. Wow. Um, now, again, this is this whole process really is an upgrade, right? Like it's a great opportunity to help the church mm -hmm. be more effective uh, mm -hmm. And all your teammates, yes. your ministry leaders to be more impactful in their digital ministry. Um, there's a lot of things to go into these checklists. Do you have a copy of a basic checklist that maybe we can share with the audience uh, today? Yes, absolutely. We will. I will compile a beautifully written checklist nice. with all that I've talked about, as well as more detail like DNS records, mail server, email server. DNS records, A record, C name record, MX record, email <laughs> clients, FTP. I mean, there are a lot of alphabet soup characters to um, track down as you itemize, do a clean audit, streamline, and really make the most of this opportunity to upgrade your brand and upgrade your technology so people can more uh, better engage and enjoy your ministry online and in person. Nice. Well, thank you, DJ, for slogging through that. I think this is like, again, we don't find this information readily available where you would think that this is readily available because this is the basic plumbing of the internet. It's one of those basic topics <laughs> because you have to manage a domain name and when it actually happens, there should be more reference points. But uh, I'm glad you're gonna be able to provide the checklist as a starting point and start that conversation. Um, we would love to hear from you folks if you're listening here today and you've actually made a change. I'd love to hear, in hindsight, what's one thing that you would have loved to have known about or thought through before you started <laughs> the domain switch. Email me at kenny at churchtechtoday.com, and I'd love to hear your story, and, and maybe we'll start to compile a list of wisdom that we can share with other members of our audience here in Church Tech Today Nation. Now, um, if you wanted to actually switch to a .church domain name, just a reminder, you can actually look and search for availability. If a .church domain name that's easy to remember and um, easy to implement is available for purchase right now, you can go to name.church, which is a great register to start with, or you can go to any place that's your favorite registrar to pick up your own domain names and try to see if there's any .church domain names available for you to pick up. And I guarantee you there, there probably is one, two, if not multiple. I feel, feel like there is some addiction to purchasing domain names for many of us entrepreneurs. And so um, you start to dream and think about all the different use cases that you, you can once you see what is available. But name.church is a great place to start. So we'll leave it there. Next time we're going to come back, DJ, and hopefully you're going to help us like untangle the idea of managing multiple domain names, right? And like that, that could be a beat in itself, mm -hmm. but there's a very good and easy way to start to approach those things. Um, a little bit of behind the scenes look from a tech side, admin side. Um, 
I'm looking forward to that conversation, DJ. Thank you so much for being with us today. 